The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dan. Good morning, everyone. Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we get into our study. Father, once again, thank you so much for letting us gather here on this day. Today's a special day. Death on a cross for us. And I ask that you be with us in, with us in your spirit. And you know every heart that's here. And I ask that you work through this word that they may address any issues or problems that they may have. You're the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, in this modern age where we have so many devices that's supposed to save us time, we got iPhones, right? We got calendars, we got calculators. You don't really even think, don't have to think that hard on math these days. But all these times are, you know, all these devices are available for us, but yet we're still kind of running behind all the time, aren't we? You know, it reminds me of a story of a guy who swallowed an egg and he was, he was afraid to move because he was going to break it. But then he was going to move. He was afraid it was going to hatch. So we got, we got all this stuff, but yet our life is just busier than ever. It seems like all we did was just add some noise to speed and noise. We get there faster, right? But we don't know where we're going. <laughs> we use these things to save time. So the pressures of the families are on. You know, kids got... All kinds of programs, football, soccer, tennis. So we're always running behind. And for that reason, God gave us the fourth commandment. And the fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20, we'll read verses 8 through 11, says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it? You shall do no work, you, your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who's in within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So the fourth commandment actually brings us to a conclusion of those commandments that have to do with the relationship with God. Remember, we talked about there's the vertical and there's the horizontal. So this is the vertical that has to do with God. All of these commandments are tied together. They show us how really, really how to worship God. Commandment number one says we to worship him only. He's the only God. Remember that? Only, you know, only him you shall serve. Number two says we are to worship him correctly, correctly, no images or there's nothing that we need in front of us to get to God or no, no kind of uh, uh, mediator. We have straight access. Uh, number three tells us we worship him sincerely and not take his name in vain. He protects his name. And the fourth commandment teaches us that we are to worship the Lord God regularly. Regularly. There's a uh, Chinese legend that I don't know how true it is, but I just read about it which happens when you read a lot. <laughs> and they tell of a man who went to a marketplace one day, and he had seven golden coins. And he had a beggar. There was a beggar on, on the street, and he gave him six of those seven golden coins. 
But the beggar was also a pickpocket, and he stole that seventh coin. And that kind of reminds us of us, right? We work six days, but then we steal the seventh day from, from God. I want to make it clear, folks, that even though it says Sabbath day, what we're doing today, and we're not worshiping on Sabbath day, and you'll see that as we go through the scripture. This is the first day, and this is the Lord's day. We are worshiping on Sunday, not on Sabbath day. And as we look at this subject, there's three things I basically want to touch base on. is the explanation of the Sabbath. It's going to be the first point. Then we're going to talk about the transformation, what happened of the Sabbath, and then the application, how do we apply it today? So there are generally two extremes when it comes to the whole matter of worship, and there's some historically, uh, you know, some people make a, a day of worship just some gloomy day. It's a burden for them. The other extreme is to take or make Lord's Day any other day, and it becomes a day we go to the mall, just work in the yard, pack a stadium, and, you know, we sacrifice all those things at the altar of profit and pleasure. So... Every road, remember I said, every road has two ditches. The devil doesn't see between those two extremes. I believe there's a place where God can take the day of worship and make it to a tremendous blessings for us all. Now, the Sabbath, word Sabbath itself means rest. And it refers to cessation from labor, from work. And sometimes people ask me if I observe the Sabbath. Well, my answer is, which one? There are so many Sabbaths in the Bible, and... The first one is the initial Sabbath, I call. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, first two verses, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished, and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. That is the Sabbath where the Lord had created heavens, the earth, and the Bible says God rested on the seventh day. Was he tired? Was God tired? course he wasn't because we read in Isaiah 40 28 it says neither faints nor is weary he you know he's have you not known have you not heard the everlasting God the Lord the creator of ends of earth neither faints nor is weary his understanding is unsearchable so when God rested on the Sabbath day it was just to admire what he did he's an artist that's taken a step back and enjoying his creation enjoying his piece of art the, the, another, there's another Sabbath, it's temporal, I call it in Exodus 16, temporary Sabbath, and actually that's what this commandment is, it's a temporary Sabbath as well. But in Exodus 16, verses 22 to 23, it says this, And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two almers from each, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said, Tomorrow's Sabbath rests a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay it up to yourselves, all that remains, to keep it until morning. And if you flip over to Exodus thirty-one seventeen, it says, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and earth and on the seventh day, he rested and was what? Refreshed. And we'll get to that. Now in Exodus Thirty-one seventeen. you see it's specifically taught that the Sabbath day was a sign between the Lord and the children of Israel. 
And you will find in the New Testament all of these Ten Commandments, right? They're, they're reiterated, so kind of repeated. Jesus even, you know, says the Ten Commandments are minimum standard, right? Not commit adultery, but then he says, if you looked at the woman lustfully, you're already committed adultery, right? We, we, we talked about those things. But we do not find the Sabbath day repeated. In a matter of fact, that's the most of the things that Jesus got in trouble with with the Pharisees is because of the Sabbath day. And we do not find a Sabbath day because it was strictly for Israel. And number three, there's also, I'm not going to read all of it, but there's a festival Sabbath. If you look right down to Leviticus 23, 23 to 36, just read chapter 23. It talks about the festival Sabbath. For instance, the feast and trumpets. And if you read it, you will see that the, uh, the, the, the Sabbath was on the first day of the month and the 15th day of the month. There was a feast of tabernacles, also 15th day of the month. It was a festival Sabbath. And it was to be observed yearly. So if it's on the first day of the month and the 15th day of the month, what does that tell us? That means that every year this festival did not happen on Saturday. So what does Sabbath mean? Every Saturday was Sabbath, but not every Sabbath was a Saturday. And number four, there was an agricultural Sabbath. If you look at Leviticus 25, first four verses, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep Sabbath, then the land shall keep Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather fruit. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land." A Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What does that tell us? That is agricultural Sabbath. So the land was not to be cultivated. The land was not to be worked on on that seventh year. And they were in the land for 490 years. That means they missed the seventh Sabbath. How many years? How many, how many years were they in prison? Seventy years. If you go down to Leviticus 26, 32 to 34, it says, I will bring the land to desolation, and your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished at it. I will scatter you among the nations and draw you out of sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities a waste. Why, why, is this God, why is God saying this to his people? Well, if you go to verse 34, it says, Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate in your enemies' land, and the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbath. So when God sent his children to Israel into captivity for the 70 years so the land can rest. That's why they were in captivity for 70 years. And God meant what he said about agricultural Sabbath. Now, the, the, another one, there's a spiritual Sabbath, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but there's also the millennial Sabbath, and I'm kind of going through this to show you that there's different Sabbaths in the Bible. And if you look at Isaiah 66, 22, 23, it says, for as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from now, from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. So there's also eternal 
Sabbath. If you go to Hebrews 4, 9, it says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. And this is confirmed in Revelations 14, 13. It says, Then I heard a voice in heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. God says that one day we'll be through with all these burdens, all these battles, all these trials, all these tribulations, and we'll have eternal Sabbath in the presence of the Lord. And if somebody asks me if I keep a Sabbath, the question is which one you're talking about. So now there's a transformation of the Sabbath. You'll get to the New Testament, you will see that the transformation has occurred. And when the Lord Jesus came to the Bible, he was born of a man, right? He was born of a woman, he was, he was in the flesh, God in flesh, but he, Christ, we talked about this, perfectly fulfilled the law. He obeyed the law in every detail. So he kept the Sabbath. If you look at 4.16 in Luke, so he came to Nazareth where he began uh, been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on Sabbath day and stood up to read. So he was faithful to the Sabbath. And you'll quickly study the Gospels. You'll see that there's a battle between the Pharisees and the Lord Jesus about this whole question of Sabbath. And I never really realized how much problems there were about the Sabbath. Then you start studying this. If Jesus kept the law, he kept the Sabbath, why do they all get out of joint with with Jesus regarding the Sabbath? The Pharisees. Because the Sabbath was so loaded with man-made traditions that it became a, a burden for the people. And in Mark 7, 9, he addresses this, and this is what Jesus says. He said, and he said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For instance, you couldn't rescue a drowning man on a Sabbath day. If a flea sat there and sucked in your blood or a mosquito, you couldn't flick it away because that would be considered fighting. There's no fighting on Sabbath day. Um, it, was, it was against the rules. You can rescue an animal on Sabbath day. You can only walk a, a certain distance. So all of you would be a violation of Sabbath if you came to Grace Fellowship, unless you live like in that room over there. Um, but all of that, all those traditions, and they became more occupied with the means to an end than the end itself. And another thing Jesus taught that was very different from them, that it's okay to do good things on the Sabbath day. Um, we read in Luke 13, 11, verses 11 through 16, it says, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could, not, could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hand on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered in indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered to him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman being the daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosened from this bond on Sabbath. So Sabbath, to do good, to do this wonderful work, to heal somebody, to help somebody, 
It was against the rules. And we also, uh, you know, it was against the rules to eat certain things. If you read Mark 2, 23 and through 26, and it happened when they went through the grain fields on Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of the grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is not lawful on Sabbath? But he said to them, have you ever read what David did when he was in need and hungry? And he and those with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abitar and the high priest and ate showbread, which is not lawful to eat, except for the priest and also gave to those who were with him. The Pharisees got their noses and all that kind of stuff out of joint, but Jesus rebuked them because it was perfectly all right for them to eat on Sabbath day to get those things. And What Jesus was teaching about the Sabbath is in Mark 2.28. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Son of Man. That is the transformation. That is the transformation. We worship on the Lord's Day. And why is it that we gather here on Sunday? Why not Saturday? Why is it Sunday? And I'm not going to dwell on these too much, but I'll show you some of the things. we Because Jesus was resurrected on the first day. On the first day, if you look at Mark 16, 2, it says, in very early on the first day of the week, this is not the weekend or whatever, this is, Sunday is the first day of the week. They came to the tomb when the sun had risen. So if you read chapter 16 in Mark, you will see on the first day, Mary Magdalene, he appeared to them, he appeared to the disciples. They met the Lord on the first day that night. If you go to John 20 and verses 19 through 20, it says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands aside, and disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You know, if you go to uh, Matthew 28, in those kind of ch- chapters where he's given the Great Commission, that was given on the first day of the week. If you read the uh, uh, book of Acts in the Chapter 2, you will see the Holy Spirit and Peter, everything's happening on the first day of the week. And Apostle Paul, if you look at Acts 20, verse 7, it says, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to do what? To break bread. This is what we're doing on the first day. Paul, ready to depart on the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. So Paul was preaching on the first day of the week, too, until midnight. So we're going to be here for a long time. Um, another thing, collections were taken up on the first day of the week. If you go to 1 Corinthians 16.2, it says, On the first day of the week, to let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he's made prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when the John, Apostle John, when he received the Revelations, the wonderful book of Revelations, if you look at Revelation 1.10, it says, And in the Spirit, on the Lord's day, first day of the week, that's the Lord's day, I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet. So there's a transformation that occurred. And I want to show you three things this morning, how we worship. Why, why is the transformation? The transformation tells us about it. Paul writes to Colossians in chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. 
So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding festivals or a new moon or what? Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. What he's simply saying, all those things were just a shadow. The Old Testament was a shadow of announcing of arrival of future events. When the reality comes, you don't have to cling to the shadow anymore. So I'm standing here, and, and if my wife misses me, and she wants to come up to the stage, she's going to come and grab the shadow and hug the shadow. Why? Because she got the real deal right here, right? Why is she going to hug the shadow? So that's what Jesus is saying here. Is why, why Paul is writing and saying, that was a shadow. Why are you still grabbing on to the shadow? There stands your wife in flesh or your husband or whoever. This is Jesus. Don't get caught up all in the shadow instead of reality. And you and I are living now in the New Testament and in the reality of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When God created the world, he finished his work. He rested. When Jesus came, he obeyed the law, redeemed mankind. What did he say in John 19.30? It is finished. It is finished. He rested. It is finished. When that he completed his redemption work, now the reality, now pay attention here, the reality now is in, in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. That's where the reality is. It's in his work. Those who would insist that we still worship on, on Saturday, folks, they're on the wrong side of Calvary because it's in his work, and we have the reality now in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you turn to Romans chapter 14, Paul writes this in verses 5 through 6. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. Now, what does that all mean? Confusing, isn't it? What Paul's simply saying is, the day is not the point. That's really he's saying. The day is not the point. You don't really know what today is. The calendar changed so much, we, we consider it Sunday. But if you go back, maybe this is a Friday. But we go by Sunday, and, and it seems to be the pattern in the New Testament, the first day. But if you want to worship on Saturday, worship on Saturday. What, does the, what did Paul write here? He says, let each be fully convinced in his own mind. That's the point. It's not the particular day. The point is you set a, set, a, set a day aside for God. And God commands us to be a very special day. We're worshiping God every day. We're supposed to be praying every day, but there's supposed to be a special day in the week where we gather and praise his name. And you'll discover that in uh, Hebrews 4, 4, 9 through 11, it says this, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, 
lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So there's a threefold rest. There's a threefold Sabbath, if you will, here. If you, there's a spiritual Sabbath that's taught in these verses. If you look at verse 10, it says, For he who has entered his rest has himself also seized from his works as God did from his. What does that mean? Well, in Hebrews 4.3, it says this, For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, So I swore in wrath that they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. He that has entered his rest has ceased from his own works. So in the Old Testament, they worked and they rested. In the salvation world, in the New Testament, we rest in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But get this, and then we work. We work not to be saved, what was in the Old Testament, you know, obeying all these rules. But we work because we are saved. There four, in Hebrews 4.9 says, Therefore remains therefore a rest for the people of God. One of these days there's going to be a perfect rest. One of these days, every day is going to be a Sunday. But I guarantee you'll have a better preacher than me standing up there preaching for you. Every day we'll be in the presence of Jesus, we'll worship him perfectly, enjoy him fully, we'll be able to comprehend him fully, understand him fully, unfold revelations of his love and grace. That's the prospective rest. Not at the present rest is in Hebrews 4.11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now he says, you have entered into the rest. Now he says, let us labor to enter into that rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. remember, says, Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and what? I will give you rest. That's the rest of salvation. We need not only the rest in Jesus Christ for our salvation, we need to rest in Jesus Christ for our daily sanctification as well in service. That's why Jesus said in the next verse, in verse 29, says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So there's work. Day by day, as we serve Lord Jesus Christ, we can learn to rest in him. Now that work does not depend on us. That work depends on him. And when we gather here on the Lord's Day, we celebrate resurrection, but we also recognize the fact that all of our labors, all your labor is in vain unless it is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confusing, right? Everybody's kind of sleepy. So what's the application of this whole thing? Because this is one of the most commandments that's the most confusing to people. If the Sabbath day is in the Old Testament, what teaching does it have for us today? Well, there's several things. If you look at, again, in Exodus chapter 20, uh, verses 8 through 10, it says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Then he continues, and he says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Now, notice there's a shift, I want to call it, from shift from labor to leisure. God sent us a message of importance about labor. 
And maybe people don't realize in today in this age that Lord has commanded us to work. Sometimes we see this commandment as just talking about rest. We don't have to do anything. You know, one day that we don't do absolutely nothing. There's some churches that on Sunday you do absolutely nothing. You just come to church, that's it. You don't watch TV, you don't do anything. But don't ever get the idea that something talks about work here, and don't get the idea that work is a result of sin. God created us to work. If you go to Genesis chapter 2 and 15, it says God put Adam in the garden to do what? The Lord got, uh, God took the man and put him in the garden to tend and keep it. So this is before the fall. So work was intended. And work has, uh, is really a gift to mankind. The, the sweat of your brow kind of work <laughs> started after Genesis 3. Therefore, God said to the man would work by sweat of his brow, and he will get weary. That's because of sin. But there is nothing wrong with work. And, folks, I believe that we ought to help those that can't help themselves, and, you know, the strong should support the, the weak, and that's what it says in Romans 15. We ought to make provision and care for those who are not able to provide for themselves. But, you know, it's a sin to help people who are, are unwilling to work, those who can and refuse to. That's a sin. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, it says, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not, will not work, neither shall he eat. So it talks about the importance of labor. You let some free loafers get very hungry, guess what? They're going to start working. They're going to start working. And, you know, one of the things that I see in trying to hire younger people and so forth, when you get... <laughs> that's for another time. But when you have... One half of population that think that they don't have to work. And then the other half of population where it says you have to work, but you will not enjoy the fruits of your labor. You're going to have a problem. And I think that's where we're at today as a nation. And one of the greatest cures for poverty is good old-fashioned work. Get to work. It's honorable. And let me tell you this, Jesus worked. We always think of Jesus. He only did ministry for three and a half years. But what was he doing up to that age? Up to age 30. He was a carpenter. He worked. He carried logs, made furniture and those kind of things. Uh, we don't see a lot of that in, 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 in the Bible, but that's what he was doing. That's why they know him as Jesus the, that from Nazareth, the carpenter. Why? Because that's what he was known as. That's what was, he wasn't some sissy that didn't do anything, just sat at home and his mama fed him. No. He worked. So it talks about the important, uh, importance of labor, but it also talks about the importance of leisure. It says, you work six days, but you take the seventh day off. Some people feel guilty for not working. Anybody have that problem? You know, they bring it on Sundays, they bring it home and uh, open up and they're trying to catch up. But we need rest. You see it in the natural world, right? Day, night, we see seasons change. Everything needs to uh, uh, change. But God's saying here there needs to be a balance in your spiritual life, and you need to have a day for God. You need to have a day for God. And you say, I'm too busy to take a, take a day off. God created heavens and earth and all that, and he took a day off. Take a day off. Take a day off. And um, how many of you take a nap on Sundays? It's good for you, right? A nap on Sundays. 
Uh, you know, also I was reading about a little uh, Russian town that was out in Siberia, and they uh, tried to get water down to their town from the top of the mountain. And what they did was they created all these pipes, but they will always burst because all the pressure coming down from the mountain just bursts all the pipes. So what they did along the way is create little reservoirs. Reservoir. So they found it. It works much better when the water rested a little bit and makes it way down. So that we, that's what we need to know, do. We need to slow down. We need to take time on the Lord's Day to restore your soul. You need to refresh spiritually. In Psalm 23.3, it says, He restores my soul. God has given us a special day to restore our soul. And, you know, all I see, especially in the last couple of weeks, is... Busyness, 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 busyness. Technology is supposed to make things efficient, but it just makes us more busy, 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 busy. So I have a little three-word thing about our generation. Hurry, worry, and bury. That's all we're going to do. But we need to take time out for the Lord's day. And in Psalm 103, first two verses says this, renewing your spirit. It's a time of reflection, restoring your soul. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We get so busy, we forget all his benefits. You need a day to refresh your soul. Thank God for being busy for the six days that he's given you. If you have a job, you're blessed. But it also has social applications for us. You know, Jesus healed people on Sabbath. Sunday is a good day to have fellowship with your brothers and sisters, find out how their life is doing, visit the sick. That's the day of rest. There are some of you who work on Sundays that can't make it. That's why we have services and prayer service on Wednesday or Sunday nights. So there's other things that you can do, but Sunday technically is the day you take a day of rest. But there's so many opportunities for us to do good on Sundays, to help others. So there's social uh, applications on, on, on Sabbath, and there's devotional applications. And I'll tell you this. It says in Hebrews 10.25, it says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a matter of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. And while I'm on this topic, there are many of you who's participation here at Grace's Minimum. I'll see you on Sunday, and that's it. And I'm thankful for that. Come back next week. But again, get involved in some type of ministry. Get involved in knowing your brothers or sisters in Christ. Try it out. You know, help with Awana. Maybe you never volunteered in Awana. Maybe you're saying, oh, I can't handle it. Well, try it out. See if you can. Get involved. Um, and I would encourage you that you you, you support the family in any way you can. That's how we're going to get by as a church, and that's how churches get by. And we commanded to come as brothers and sisters to worship. When do we do it? When's the day? As we already read in Acts 20, verse 7, it says, Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul ready to depart in the next day, message until midnight. So there's one day, first day of the week, Sunday, Set aside to come to church and worship. And folks, the best things you can do is to make church attendance on Lord's Day for your families. Uh, let me tell you why. Little eyes are watching. Little ears are listening. 
And I'm telling you, I had a pleasure of being in Matt Drought's Sunday school class today, and they are listening. We asked some questions about my sermons. <laughs> They're paying attention, you know, kind of gave me their encouragement. But what a kind of example that we're setting, setting for our kids. And what we're doing here is very important. And, you know, I know we can all find excuses of not, why not to come to church, right? I'm too tired. There was a man that was talking to his mom, and I think I shared it before with you, but he was talking to his mom, said, I'm, I don't want to go to church. People are mean. They're not friendly. The deacons don't like me. And then the mom says, no, you have to go to church. It's like, why? Well, you're, you're the member of that church. Besides, you're the pastor. <laughs> we have to go to church, right? And, and the more than you work on Monday, I'll tell you, is your, is your worship on Sunday. Uh, try it with your boss tomorrow. I can't come in on Monday because we had an expected company. You know what? I'm a little too tired, so I slept in. We can't do those things in the secular world, but yet we do it with God. Aren't we robbing God of his day? And what we're teaching our kids is saying, hey, church is nice, but it's not important. If you want your kids in church, you be in church. If you want your kids to go to Sunday schools or whatever, you go to Sunday schools. Set an example. And what we're doing here is very important. And when you come here, Without even saying a word, what you're telling your kids is, the Lord God is important to me. Church is important to me. These people here, my brothers and sisters in Christ, they are important to me. And God, give God all his day, not just half a day. Be in his house for Sunday school. Be in his house for Sunday activities. Hey, how can I volunteer? Except tonight, there's no activities, as we heard. There's no, no night activities. But we need one day a week to get away from this world and all these noise and just be in his presence, fully concentrate on God's glory. We need the day to get away from voice of business and get into the voice of God. We need one day to get away from all this clamor, clutter, and focus on our wonderful Savior. So we need to take a day of worship the Lord. We need to take the day of rest for the body. And you know, when I'm preaching on this commandment, a lot of times some younger people or people come up to me and say, well, I have a list I got to do on Sundays. What things am I allowed to do? I want to go to a ball game. I want to go to a football game. I want to go to the movies. Is that a right thing to do? What are the, what are the regulations for Sunday then? When you have those questions, can I tell you what your problem is? You brought your questions to the wrong person. You brought your question to the wrong person. The scripture in Mark 2.28 says, Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. So bring your list to God. Bring your list of questions to God and things you want to do and ask Him. How can I honor you today, Lord? What can I do for you? Now, it is to be a day of gladness, not a day of gloom. Jesus Christ is alive. You know, he's not dead. It's a day of love, not legalism. It's a day of service, not a day of selfishness. But let me say this. It is to be a holy day, not a holiday. It's a holy day. He said, keep it holy. So whatever you do, be sure that you make the day a blessing, not a burden. 
uh, take some, some time from rest. You know, one of the things that my father always did uh, on Sundays when we all lived here in Ohio is Sunday after church, the entire family, everybody, sometimes it was awful. We get a, at his house together as a family, and we continue the worship of, of, of Lord God and just being together. And if today, folks, if there's any of you that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, because for a believer, Jesus Christ is this rest. He is the Sabbath rest. That's where you can rest. If you don't know him as, as, as a personal Savior, I ask that you think about it. Make the right decision, what you want to do with your life, and bring your burdens to him. Be in his rest. Rest in the finished work of Calvary. Jesus, again, is the believer's rest. Is he your rest? Is he yours? Do you know that you're going to heaven? You know, we talked about names last Sunday, not taking uh, names in vain. I mentioned a couple of names. I said Michael Jordan and so forth. One of the names that have been in the news, I'm sure you heard, is Kobe Bryant. Folks, let me tell you something. Do you think Kobe Bryant, he had no, he had he had some kind of idea that would be his last day. You know, there's some pictures that were taken before it, and it was just like any other day. He was excited. He was visiting friends. And just like that, just like what the Bible tells us, life is a vapor. He's gone. If you die in the Lord, you come to that eternal rest. But if you die without the Lord, what is your hope? What are you hoping for? So if you don't have Jesus as your personal Savior, if you want to talk to somebody, I am available, so is, are all the deacons. And I wish I had more time, but that's my time. So let's end in prayer, and we'll move to our second part of the service. Father, we do want to thank you that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the Sabbath, and we thank you that he is our rest. And I pray for those that, Father, that do not know you as Savior, and we pray that you will help them, stop them, and realize that they can find rest in Christ who said, I can come and I will give you rest. Enable us, Father, to see him, the ultimate rest for God's people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, also, today is a day of celebration. We're remembering Jesus Christ, his sufferings on the cross, and his 